Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things you should be considering to level up your gameplay. You can continue the conversation with us on our free Discord, and if you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon if you're in a position to do so. Links will be in the show notes. This is a competitive-focused podcast, so bear in mind that our opinions are focused through that lens. Regular members include Jacob, Sploosh, Mike, and Chewy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Danger Room. And with me, I have Sploosh. How's it going, man? What's up? And we have Omnis Protocol, a.k.a. Charles. What's up? Hey, guys. Well. Happy to happy to join the bald meta. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, if only uh, Professor X existed in this game, then we would be uh, we'd be rolling. Oh, yeah, yeah, Scott. So uh, we're here. We brought Charles on to talk about more X Men stuff. Charles, I'm curious. So, what was uh, what, Charles? You've been a guest before on this yeah. podcast, right? I don't remember when though. Do you? <laughs> the last time was I did the Asgard episode for the the eight, yeah. eighteen days of Christmas. I forget what was the last thing I did before that. I think you did Asgard something too before that, like a year earlier. I oh, actually, we did like a pay to flip thing in general. Yeah, something that's like that. what it was. Yeah, because you're like, I'm going to convince Bush to love. <laughs> it's actually funny and relevant to this discussion later. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> which maybe you ended up winning that argument unfortunately for yeah yeah that's true and then i remember vividly being on your podcast which i recommend people listen to uh so like called omnis protocol right officially yep and i mean honestly all the episodes with both you and mike i feel like have been great great episodes yeah you let me talk about angela and enchantress which like way before they're even released like i think it was like two or three months uh, before they were released in the states, yep. and I like was had a love affair with those characters, and I just feel so good that I could gush over characters that clearly were insane <laughs> and, and like super proven at this point, but like yeah. at the time, no one knew, you know. Uh, so yeah, I remember that fondly. It's like, damn, this guy knows how to podcast. So I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, for sure. Love love being here. You know, since we're gonna talk about X Men, you guys should consider maybe doing like a like an X-Men theme to like the introduction for the show, something like that. I don't know if you've done that before. Mm, yeah, maybe we have a song or something yeah. we could play. Do like a heavy metal version of the theme song. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, it's a great idea, man. All right, we'll look into it. Um, but yeah, when I get into the hot taste, guys, it's kind of hot, actually. Very hot. It's hot as of today. Yeah, hot and spicy. Um, but yeah, uh, Black Swan, which I don't know anything about beyond... She's in Black Order, and and she has a belly button, <laughs> which is rare for MCP models. Yeah, we actually did some belly button research, and we believe Magic has a belly button in MCP. But other than that, I believe no other character does. Uh, you could argue over Iron Fist, but I think it's just like endless six pack personally. But I just find that interesting that she had a belly button in MCP. I don't know if like she's also I think the first official side uh, like horizontal card, right? So yeah, I don't know release if, definitely yeah. seems that way. So so they they decided on horizontal cards and belly buttons for the new meta. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised that Swan got a belly button and Angela didn't. Like, I don't, I don't Are they like changing their stance now? That's kind of uh, probably a sculptor difference. Maybe. I, I know Angela typically has a midriff showing, but she doesn't on her sculpt in this game. That seemed to be the norm, but maybe they're drifting away from that. Yeah, Is Angela actually real... born in like a traditional sense? Like, are gods created that way? <laughs> right? Is it that? Uh, super or sorry, yeah, Black Swan is you know true. Yeah, see, see, I don't know. Maybe see, there's a logic my, there. This is my comic ignorance. I don't know what Black Swan even is. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I don't know much about Black Order's lore. I, I've been meaning to catch up on it, but uh, just to recap real quick, her panel plays to something along the lines of she was a princess who lived somewhere, and her home was invaded by aliens or interdimensional people or whatever. And then she was found by the black swans and raised to be a dimensional duelist of limitless potential. Sounds right. bad. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's where she got her name from. Yeah. But she's black swan, formerly known as black swan. Um, no, she has an actual name. Uh, I don't know why they didn't put that as her alias on her card. That is weird to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, who wants to I talk to about her first other than belly buttons and, origin stories uh anyone have some hot takes for black swan uh sure this character's great <laughs> uh she reminds me of rogue a lot yeah 100 percent um you get the option to flex her up to five and with the gem and then you just have self-sufficient power economy uh she can control size four characters which is pretty important right now uh, it's a little dicey but still pretty good it's no more dicey than iron man uh, all of her attacks are great she's got charge she's got like modox wild blanking and she's got oscorp weaponry on her card so, good stat line i love her the pre the pre-buff version of oscorp weaponry i guess sure yeah it costs a power you can only do it once i don't know why i guess because of the way the the defensive one works i just assumed you can reroll like as many dice as you want I was like, oh, no, it's one power, one die. Okay, whatever. Um, still pretty awesome, especially with the power gem having the three power. She can do a charge and reroll one of your die on the first turn, which is kind of sexy. Yep. Uh, and you know, charge I-beam if you want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah, you could choose to do the I-beam and incinerate 100% guaranteed. That's pretty cool. Yeah um you, you mentioned she's like rogue i mean i think a lot of people obviously think of modok with the blanks and the wilds like the wild trick change um so, but she's kind of all over the place because she's got like winter soldier's spender which is really sexy and has no size restrictions um and then i just can't help myself but i always notice the one power spender characters because I my origin of this game was Red Skull, and anytime I see like the one power spender, I'm like, hmm, I remember Red Skull has one of those, and then it just kind of goes on and on. Like just a lot of random characters with these like one power spenders, um, and so yeah, I don't know. She's kind of like a bunch of different characters at once, really. Um, she's on a small base, which I don't know if people realize. I'm almost positive that's true. She yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's yeah. a 35 millimeter base. And the other thing that caught my eye real quick is uh, her defensive stats for pay to flips with the four four three. Yeah, um, that's that's like what cap stats basically. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. Captain so, Thor. Yeah, that's pretty exciting for a fourth threat. I guess similar also, not quite perfect, but with Hela, which back in the day, that was one of the selling points of Hela is that she can interact well with pay to flips. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, like a lot of discussion on Discord about if she's like actually like better than Rogue. Do you take a gem or not take a gem? Or what do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like she's always gem no gem could take a gem doesn't matter we should ask charles how he feels about the character yeah <laughs> well charles start with the gem question and go back well to yeah to i was look. actually that's great because that's where i was going to start my answer anyway yeah. um all right my favorite thing about her is i think she's the most well-designed gem character so far where i think like almost an exact 50 percent of the people are going to play her at four threat and just be like this really bargain really dependable solid all-round four and then half of the people are going to staple the power gem to her and play her with power at five all the time and she's just really good both ways it's kind of my read on it yeah i i agree completely because i guess is maybe it's competitive gamer sort of personality thing or maybe it's just who people we are or whatever but I probably spent way too much time at work today, like arguing with myself about which is better, gem <laughs> or no gem. And then it just hit me randomly. I don't know what room or who I was saying it to, but I was like, oh, this is just a really balanced character. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, when you can't decide like which one's better then and you have to sort of surrender. I think that's like the moment where the light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, I get it because she's balanced. <laughs> you know what i'm saying because when you're competitive you always want like the thing that's imbalanced and like too good you know you want like the edge over someone else but i I kind of agree with you at the end of the day i just sort of surrender and i was like i think both are fine i think she's going to be the one where you think about your roster and go do i need this to be a four or do i need it to be a five and then both ways are great and you just you put the gem if you need a five for the team and you put a four in you know you just keep her without the gem if you needed a four threat yeah, yeah, that's like. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I do feel Loki is kind of fills a similar like design space, right? I, I think he's very valid at both threats. True. Uh, so yeah, but and yeah, I've she, seen arguments she is definitely both. like an exceptionally designed gem character, which is exciting. I do think Loki, like his kind of role, like can shift pretty dramatically depending on whether or not he has a gem, and I just think she still fills the same role though. So it's Fair a enough. little different. Mm, kind of like so the way i look at it is the gem is like saying hey i don't have the greatest synergy with your roster but i just kind of created my own synergy because now she's doing turn one plays and and all that fun stuff that you can do and then obviously like you know with some kind of teleport maybe shields little movement thing i think it's called sit rep is it i don't know but yes. there's Red, Red Skull's teleport and X-Men jump. And then you add in her her charge that she can now afford to use on turn one. She can be a devastating character with the gem. But if you don't take a gem, I feel like you're saying, okay, I'm trusting the team affiliation you chose to carry me in some way to like make up for that. For example, throw a fork her in Avengers... And she just becomes like another Loki choice where, you know, she's a one power charge and doesn't, you know, and she's getting the help from your affiliation. So she doesn't need the gem and therefore you're getting more an efficient package. 
you know, so it's like a synergy. No, absolutely. Thing. Like if I were still practicing Daredevil Criminal Syndicate, she would be an easy four threat for me to slot in. And I often could fit in one four and I tried Rogue in that slot. I tried Medusa in that slot and they all work. And I would totally try her there too. But maybe if I were throwing together like a Guardians team that doesn't have a lot of characters that have multiple power generation and I want a little help with the pay to flips and like I can afford a five really easily, maybe in Guardians, I throw the gem on her and like just both routes are great. Mm. Yeah, I was th- I kind of mentioning earlier with the Winter Soldier. I love the idea of her and Winter Soldier in that Daredevil team. Yeah, and just going ham on like multiple attacks per turn, and uh, trying to get her to use her spender as much as possible. To me, that seems like a really good time. Um, you know, all the things that X Force wish they could do. She's just a really well-designed character that I just... I don't think she's broken, but I think she's going to be really good. She's going to see competitive play, but nobody's going to be like, I have to rearrange my roster to include her. So, like, the big question that I saw was, like, is she better than Rogue or is Rogue better than her? And I think Rogue is, like, kind of more, like, brain-dead obvious, like, in you know, invulnerability or indestructibility or whatever they call it is it's pretty obvious like it works and it doesn't matter what team you're on. It, it's going to work. Right. Um, obviously rogue would love more power and, and that kind of stuff, but it's not no different than this character. But I think my point is rogue is like more generically kind of just fine for everyone. But I think for this character to really sing, you do want to find leaders that will help her out. Even if she has the gem, she's still going to love even more power. You know, it's <laughs> she's like, certainly a character you know, that can spend power. Yeah, she can start with three power, and that's pretty awesome with the gem. But maybe Dormammu makes her start with four power, and I, like I don't see this as a character that's ever sad to have a lot of power because the spender is insane. She's getting rerolls on every attack theoretically on your dice. Uh, not to mention that I just love the idea that you can I beam. That's one power, and then telepathic suggestion that's another power and then now you've got pierce plus this like reroll i mean and it's like pretty good knowledge of like when to use it and when not to use it so you might not even need it um she's charging which costs power and then her little modok ability you know you don't know but you're gonna want to have at least like one or two power sitting on her for that ability every turn you know can we so can we stop for a moment on that ability and just talk about how cool it is to have a character that is immune to sap right because either she has no power so you can't sap it or she will turn off all your wilds hmm so voodoo will never get to sap power from her yeah because if you're gonna get sap you just pay this for this anyway exactly you just take remove that damage and so I do think it's something where she's like a little bit better into voodoo, but say like rogue is a little bit better into juggernaut because she can choose energy attacks and she has a guaranteed way to throw, um, throw juggernaut away where she doesn't have to roll anything. They both have their place. I think they're both equally strong. Yeah. I beam is energy and incinerates. It's I a mean, spender. It's not a builder for one though. Yeah. It's not building, but like you set up, Especially on Juggernaut, who has eight health, that incinerates a big value. I, I mean, yeah, honestly, even great. I, even I beaming like Corvus and and Thanos, dude. Is, but she gets pretty... to sap power from Juggernaut. She gets to like strip his power with the super. Like you can't say that. Yeah, that Black Swan is better versus Juggernaut than Rogue. 
this is I, I agree with Charles here. Like I've loved Rogan for Juggernaut. You just power drain him and then attack him. He gets sapped and he's just like not reducing. It's just, like mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, I, 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 the thing that sells me is like right now the meta is all these tall characters and incinerate is like mega value. Like you incinerate Hulk, that's so good. Um, you only got to do it once, you know, um, and then you move on to other things. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, we're. I, I asked the question about Rogue, and I guess. I guess my thing is like Rogue's kind of like more of the generic character, and I think this one you, to really sing, you, she needs more help. I, I think that applies to both fine, of them. But, I think they both yeah. want a little bit of help. They're both those characters that are just really strong fours, but just like that little bit of tune, like one reroll or something, and they just they overperform. Yeah, I think Swan will just join the. She'll join the pantheon of splash fours, <laughs> or play both of them, like. <laughs> Just yeah, play both too. of them with a nine threat core somewhere in Wakanda or, you know, Criminal Syndicate or Web Warriors or wherever. Like, they're going to be good. They're going to perform for you. Yeah. Well, speaking of X-Men, I was thinking, hmm, if Rogue's affiliated, <laughs> doesn't take much out of four threat. But the thing is, too, when she's five, I, my gut is like, is she better than Corvus, though? Because Corvus does so much, which we'll talk about later. And... It's like she uh, does have charge and displacement, which Corvus does not have. Um, so I think she's still in a conversation where there's times that you may want her over Corvus, depending on the build. Yeah, so I think yeah. there's some interesting things to talk about here in the framework of like a, a mono black order list. Like if that becomes a thing again, it might. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to um, guess on that, which I do want to mention. Like, like as cool as she is, like. She doesn't override to me like husband and wife combo. And then it's like until we see something to replace Thanos, which is arguably one of the best characters in the game right now, it's just like awkward to, you know. I, yeah, that's I fair. Know. We could wait and see Supergiant's card. Yeah. This, this potential talk of like a new leadership or whatever in the other Texas cards. Yeah, it's not worth getting too deep in that because we really just don't know enough. But yeah, I'd, I'd save the full like, hey, let's what what's the future of Black Order look like until after next week when you see the new, uh, mm. see her card two and maybe the leadership. True. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be some insane synergies with leadership too. You just don't know. Uh, we also we do know the back of her card though. Right? It's the same. She's six the same. six. Yeah. yeah, six six health. I don't like. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have anything else. Like I, other than the fact that she can push and and th- throw size four, uh, she can actually throw size infinite. Which <laughs> maybe when we see some sentinels, that could be exciting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think she's just pretty cool. I personally think that like I would lean towards Rogue. I don't. I kind of disagree with you. Like obviously Rogue would like help in any way, but I think the fact that Rogue can just change. How she like her energy type when she attacks is just like generically just good. Invulnerability is just generically good. If she gets power starved or whatever, she's still functioning mostly. Um, and then that like drain she has is kind of nutty. I don't know. Um, Rogue does have this the, character... uh, the the terrain throw on top of everything else, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, just exactly. Um, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I wish Rogue could throw characters too, but it'd probably be super busted if she yeah. could do that on. on She's a, already on really fucking no good. action. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to actually ask for more, but you know, I just trust that Rogue would live where this character. I've played a lot of Modok, and like I know we all get frustrated with Wilds, and there's definitely characters like Cough Gambit, Cough that 
will hate to see black swan uh because like i guess i just don't get wilds um you know it's funny too like when you see characters like gambit i'm trained to think all oh, this character has wilds and like oh wilds suck but then i haven't seen modok in over a year so i've kind of moved on from that mentality but now we have black swan bringing <laughs> it back and I, I actually mark was mentioning uh what happens when we have uh, a whole team now of uh you know blocks wilds characters which we'll have to keep an eye out you know maybe another year from now but it'll be kind of hilarious when you can actually do that um but yeah we right like we don't think about that but that was a thing right we're like oh this character's super wild re you know requirements like you know into modok that's terrible um yeah it's because modok but, was so, so so prevalent in the game right yeah so. But when I played Modoc, there was also just times people rolled like four hits or you know a bunch of crits in there, and they didn't even roll wilds. And you're like, Ugh. Well, I guess I'm dead. Um, she's probably a little more balanced. Like that was the biggest thing with Modoc is like once you dazed him, then his other you know his injured type was a train wreck, and he would usually just die immediately. At least she's like six six on both sides, but that also means she can just die too um to a few spikes you know maybe a winter soldier goes crazy or something I mean, who knows but um but yeah to wrap it up i mean swan's great i think we all like her yeah, yeah i'll pick it up right away yeah yeah i mean her being in black order like you auto jump to unaffiliated even if like we find out she's insane in black order still at the end of the day most people aren't going to probably play black order but she's a good enough unaffiliated probably where at least she's worth considering and kind of the sky's the limit for her we don't even know like future leaders like more combos could come um i mean and, this and this might be the infinity. end of this might be the end of new models for bo like i don't know of any other thematic models that could be released for them past these two yeah unless they start re going into like what if episodes or something yeah or alternate versions of the characters yeah that mm. too but I, I would suspect that this is going to be the end of releases for Black Order for the foreseeable future. Probably. Yeah. And we've seen, like, with Wakanda, that's a thing where you just don't get more releases for a very long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the last thing that I was saying is, like, Infinity, right? Like, playing objectives that just fuel you with power. Um, a character like this is, like, just in love with that, right? I don't see a world where I have too much power with Black Swan. It's just like not a thing. So yep. seems All good. Right. All right, um, uh, I want to jump to the main topic. Here, to talk about some good old mutants. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about X Men, and I mean, come on, we're the danger room. It's like probably <laughs> expected a little bit, but we've always on and off talked about X Men on this podcast. Uh, it's probably not anything, anything crazy or new to anyone. But I want to make an argument why we're doing this that's interesting and new, okay? Now, I'll just say Omnis inspired me big time, uh, both with him bringing X-Men to Adepticon, doing well. He came in third. Great job. Thank you. Uh, but also did a great episode on his own podcast about like kind of why he played X-Men and the tricks that he brought to the table that most likely almost nobody knew about, except for him, maybe a few people. Nobody seems to know. With. Yeah, maybe your friends or whatever. I don't know. You know, I know you play more like local games, so you probably have some people you play against that are like sick of you by now. Um, but 
and I do want you to go into that, obviously. But I, I'll start first just generically with like, let's convince the people why we're going to talk about X-Men, why they're interesting and not just like because we like X-Men. Like, I think there's some super valid reasons. I think they're really well positioned in the meta. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you start this off on this. What, what are some things that are just good about X-Men? What's, why are they well positioned? Well, so obviously, so when you start thinking about, say, like, why is Black Order so good, right? They're considered kind of the best of the attrition crisis. Like, do you want to have to play against Black Order on demons? Do you want to play against Black Order on intrusions? Probably not. Do you want to sure. play against criminal syndicate and web warriors on scoundrels and extremist console, right? Like, do you think that you can beat them in that situation? And I think it's equally strong to try to face x-men on mutant madmen and spider portals they are that good on those crises that they're kind of a best in class for a particular set of crises and that alone i think brings them into the conversation in a big way sure and even just more generically pay to flips just so happens to be the bane of both blackwater and syndicates situation um mike might be able to argue with me here but i think even web warriors are at least mildly annoyed by pay to flips, you know, maybe not terrible or anything, but it's like, I think webware is one of the top dogs and, you know, pay to flips kind of get in the way for them. And and I just know, like, I don't think midnight suns are like a great affiliation, but they're like kind of like popular people like them. And I, I just found what pay to flips, it just ruined all their like cool turn one plays. Cause they want to spend a power to like bump and that kind of thing. So it's like, basically my point is there's a ton of affiliations that are just, generically annoyed by a pay to flip well you also have to tune your roster for it a little bit right like i see tons of rosters you can't have too many mysterios enchantresses um voodoo voodoo. like the more of these characters vision like the more of these they're all great characters but right you can't have too many of them and the more Mm -hmm. you have the more likely that you're not going to be able to build as strong of a team at that threat value and so x-men take advantage of that as well And they make the game play just a little bit differently, which means that your opponent is probably not quite as practiced into that play style. They've been playing demons downtown every game, right? And like, just, it just changes up the dynamics, changes up when you can charge because you had to interact. It just, it changes up things a little bit that all kind of tilt towards X-Men's favor when you're kind of playing the, the style that, uh, that I've been playing at the least. I think there are some other ways to play them too, but this has really come out to me as like a really strong advantage in the meta. Yeah, um, two things I'll throw out there that were what caught my eye even before listening to your episode was um, X-23's frenzy into this like grunt potential obsession that we might be walking into. Uh, the fact that she can kind of just literally free kind of just slice a grunt up, pay two power, which she'll get from killing the grunt, and then go kill more stuff. To me, that seems pretty cool. And also, uh, people just seem really big on Juggernaut and... uh, Who's the other guy there? Juggernaut and Hulk. Hulk. And Rogue is an X-Men as of, like, February, right? So, I mean, it doesn't take much to talk me into playing Rogue at all, ever. (laughs) But she just, like, just, oops. Oh, she just so happens to be really good into size four characters, uh, which is, like, a big deal right now. You saw a lot of very tall lists in the last season cut and it just made me think like oh like rogue's just really good and affiliated um so all right that's that's exciting um you know i don't know if there's anything i missed i mean i think 
maybe this is a segue into something I'd like you to talk about. But I think, I know we're talking to Mike lately, we've been kind of discussing the idea that maybe spider-infected in cubes need to make a comeback uh, to kind of counteract the obsessions with Voodoo, Cat, and uh, Thanos. And uh, that's when I you discussed uh, Corvus and Proxima having some combos with cubes in particular, but really it works with Spider Infected as well. Um, and I don't know, maybe you want to explain all that, but I, I was really, really yeah, sure. Why don't we just mind. like cover that for the yeah. listeners real quick, right? Yeah, obviously, people are going, Well, you don't want to play cubes and spiders because your opponent's going to get the middle one right and sure you can have like lizard double move and like grab a spider on their side but then you still have that character kind of hanging out there maybe you lose him maybe you don't maybe voodoo just strips his power and steals it anyway like what happened to morgan in i think season six it happened in one of the games where he double moved his lizard over there and then like voodoo got it from him anyway like it you know kind of backfired a little bit and so i was trying Mm -hmm. to figure out a way where i could guarantee that i could get three no matter what and I eventually came up with a plan with X-Men where the only, the, I tried, there's so many ways I looked at the grunts, I looked at everything, but what X-Men can do is you can have Corvus activate first. He grabs a spider and then he moves um, to within range two of Proxima and then immediately activates her. She uses the leadership, hops to the other side of him. So range two plus range one off the 50 millimeter base. Now she's in range to do one long move, grab the spider or the cube on your opponent's side of the board, and then still long move back. And then you have cover from Storm's leadership from ranged attacks. So all of a sudden you're in this really strong position that if they took the middle right away, you're like, boom, cool. I'll just take yours and mine. And then I have like beast positioned on the other side. So even if you came after the one on my side, I can still go after the one on your side. There's not anything you can do to stop it. But sometimes you can just take the middle one anyway because people aren't always running Angela. So you may not even have to do that. You may still just like grab the middle and back up. Yeah, people might think, oh, you you have uh, Corvus Proxima in like a corner somewhere. Maybe I'll just grab my safe one and we'll do some kind of like late turn grab middle or something. But you could just still have Proxima just go grab that middle one and kind of surprise them a little bit. Yeah. Um, also worth noting because Proxima has a long move. I mean, she could just jump off storm in the middle, grab a middle one. If you have priority, because you, when you have priority, are you taking extracts over secures? No, never. I will always take secures. I mean, unless, unless I looked down and saw that my opponent was running all three of the same pay to flips. Yeah. Like if you, they had scrolls and the usual senators and alien core or whatever, you still would take secures, you think? I mean, oh, this is a very generic into whatever question. I mean, but... yeah, that that gets, that definitely ends up being a slightly more complicated conversation. It would depend on the exact roster that they were playing. Um, but I will say I pretty much always take secures. Um, hmm. I, I haven't had a situation come up where I've chosen to take extracts. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Um, so, and... You take infected and cubes, right? Yeah, I would say spider infected and cubes are kind of my 100%. Um, At Adepticon, I played hammers, not necessarily because I loved it, but because I felt comfortable with the 18. And it at least I felt like I could probably get myself into a situation where I wasn't at least losing right away. And 
And I mean, Domino is one of those characters that she might be one of the best characters in the game at holding a hammer. Um, mm, but um, it, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. Lately, I've been playing Montessi formula. And this is something I stole from DeLuca. Uh, just the idea of being able to trap a Black Order player into 17 is a good spot to be in. And so I've been playing around with Montessi formula as my as my third so that if I face against Black Order, I can trap them out of playing 16 or 18. The way I look yeah. at it, sorry to chime in, uh mm. montessi versus hammers uh, honestly it's really just montessi hammers spiders and cubes are like your extracts that are live and they're like relatively they're like three to five vps so yeah there's not much more selection in the game past that and uh montessi it's like somebody the game round one's pretty much going to end like two to one on that with just counting that crises mm-hmm. and like hammers would be like two two in theory, right? Unless like something catastrophically goes wrong. Um, so oftentimes I find that it's just better to, and if you have prio, then you're going up to one, which is awesome too. Right. And whereas like the hammer, the, the extra dice from hammers gets really weird and you can just like randomly get spiked out of nowhere. And like, I find the hammers get like coalesced to one side of the table and et cetera. And yeah, like, like I said, the 17th threat's better. You can trap people on it. Yeah, we did a very, a long time ago, we did an episode kind of not so much on Montessi as much as scoring. And it was eye-opening for me that people think of Montessi as slow, but if you're the guy with the two points, you can win on turn four, you know? Yeah, it's a medium Uh, speed one is what I think. Yeah, which that's the exact same speed as Hammers, assuming parity. Yeah. Um, I think hammers and Montessi are kind of medium speed and then cubes and um, spider infected are the fast. And then the, then the other ones are all slow basically. Yes. True. Um, and back in those days to um, the band card. Uh, panic. Panic. Panic was, was kind of super fast. As well. That was well, fast it was, plus. Yeah. It turned out to be way faster and yeah, you know, ridiculous i was abusing Um, it right away so it's always been fast like there was so many games where it's like oh sure we got through round three but i have priority so now the game is over because i'm just going to evac this and go to 16 and so it was like it was like it was always lasting like 3.1 rounds yeah so i went sorry go ahead oh i went with montessi myself my argument with hammers is like I feel like thinking you're the best at hammers is like an old school mentality. And now the game has gotten so degenerate that like hammers is just a liability. You just don't want to add to a game. Cause even if you are like actually good at hammers, it doesn't mean like your turn zero goes well. And like, maybe you end up in a situation you don't even want to be in where, you know, like for example, against like an Avengers player where they've got like Panther and I don't know, all the other degenerates that can do things on turn one. And suddenly what feels like another great example, even was Angela, like we're like, even it's like lose, lose for you because like Angela can just throw some crap at you and, you know, or grab and run. It's just, it's not a great, it's good look. Like I like the feeling of comfort from Montessi and you're X-Men. So you're going to be good at getting in the middle. Uh, and like you said, also the final thing, I like the idea of just running all 17 where Corbett's Proxima is mostly one of your better lineups which is super clean at 17 so yeah yeah so that yeah those are all that's those are all great topics uh, about extracts but i do have a couple questions charles so 
if your opponent is playing Angela into you and it's like cubes and they grab the middle with Pryo and then grab the, the Proxima side one, how, how are you feeling? Um, well, I haven't come up against it, but I think Angela holding two cubes does deteriorate her health very quickly. And it means a five threat is not contributing. Um, and so it's, that's obviously, and one of the other things that can happen now is grunts can mess it up right? If someone's playing a grunt character, they could just have like the shield grunt, grab the one opposite of Proxima and have uh fury go into the middle uh, to kind of mess it up. So there, there's, it's not perfect by any means. Um, but um, it's just something you got to deal with. But honestly, Angela going down two health every turn, she's not going to hold on to those for very long. That's fair. And then, uh, so also, can you body block? So, okay, let's say Angela takes the middle and walks in front of the, the Proxima side cube. Can she block Proxima? No, Prox, Proxima's got some extra space to spare. Like, maybe if there was a piece of terrain partially blocking it too, but you would just choose to deploy Corvus and Proxima opposite on the other side. And so, you know, it, it's it's hard to stop Angela, or it's hard to stop Proxima from getting to okay. it. There, there's breathing room. Yeah, that was my question. Nice. Obviously, if we had some that were like more like spider infected, like if I could play three copies of spider infected, I probably just would. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will say. Remember, Mike, we we found that spider infected was kind of toxic for poor X Men, <laughs> uh, and that is one big difference. And maybe where I had a mental block and not realizing some of these ideas is. When I played X-Men with Corvus Proxima, which was many seasons, um, the idea of carrying any kind of extract on Corvus was like a massive no-no for me. Because obviously, X-Men cannot do the jump ability if they're holding extracts. So, um, But then I, I know when I mentioned this to you at one point, you just said, hey, we just kind of play X-Men differently. <laughs> so uh, I do think yeah, it's important, yeah. like, so say like my second round game of Adepticon, I never made a single attack with Corvus. And if Corvus is hang if Corvus gets to steal a spider infected and then or a cube and then him and Proxima are kind of hanging back and like going back on my secures on my side of the table and get to play that game, I will do that all day. And that's like if Corvus is just scoring 2 points every turn, I am totally fine with that. And most people don't want to walk up and try to like double move up to a Corvus point and flip that one. Because then they die. I've won games doing that too. I've played on Spider Infected with Corvus Proxima. And I've had him just, it was like in a web warrior shell. And I had him grab the middle spider. And then like Proxima grabbed a far one. And I just retreated and had like four spiders. And it was scored out really quickly. I think I like moved and like shot a range four attack. Like the whole game. Yeah. So you do get like, you got to accept this isn't all about just like, forcing Corvus and Proxima to do normal Corvus and Proxima things. This is specifically taking advantage of their speed and their, um, you know, husband and wife. And like they're, the fact they have great attacks is just kind of like this bonus. Yeah. They're very durable. That's, that's what got, I was playing actually Corvus Proxima X-Men testing out X-23 and literally in middle game, I was like, wait a minute, why don't I play Corvus and Proxima and syndicate again? <laughs> it's like, it just it just it's the obvious everyone knows is okay corvus slices things corvus kills things everyone knows that but like corvus also just has this indestructible thing going on I mean, he's just really obnoxious to kill and oh yeah reality gem also makes him really hard to kill uh and 
like, oh, wait, Syndicate loves characters that are hard to kill. And, oh, Corvus is also a medium-based medium move, which lets him just sometimes just double move on the things. And Proxima is very fast. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I should be playing this in Syndicate also. And it's kind of like going on what you're saying, where it's like, he's this super killing character that, oh, by the way, like actually plays objective pretty well. Yep. Uh, and his durability and just give him cover. Hey, why not, right? Um, well, I think we I actually covered... just measured... Hold on, I just measured your thing, uh, Mike. So, funny thing you mentioned, first of all, Angela, you can't move through Angela, which I was like, oh, maybe that's a problem. But actually, uh, I just measured it out, and it works anyway. You you have to put the base, obviously, not touching Angela, and then uh, Proxima can, like, curl around Angela and get to the cube. So you can't actually block it. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But that's how much reach there is there. That's a lot of wiggle room, actually. It may mean that she because... can't go back quite as far as she would have otherwise, but yeah. it's still fine. The, the, um, so playing in real life with X-Men, did you ever have any scary moments where you did any X-Men jumps and you're like thinking, oh my God, like, please table, like work out for me. You know, because <laughs> in real life, there's that, you know, degree of error. Does that ever come up for you at all? Yeah, well, I mean, for example, I was testing some of the, the early jumps I was testing with Gene, right? And so this is this is a different aspect of X-Men. So part of why uh, people ask me, like, why do you think Spider Portals is the best crisis for them? And one of the main things that I do is I'll have one of the characters walk to the portal that's right in front of my deployment zone and then stay within range two of another character. And then like one of my last activations will be leadership them, hop them to the other side of the character. Then they double move onto the portal that's on my opponent's side of the board. And then they flip the portal that nobody thought even anyone was going to interact with. And it's a really tight movement with a 35 millimeter medium move character like Gene or Loki. They can get there, but if terrain is in the wrong spot, then you can like if you like there's a car that you're like oh I, I need to move this maximum distance but this car is in this exact spot where I can't get all the way on it like that can be kind of stressful but if you're doing that with a like a Doctor Strange or a Corvus um, someone who's on that 50 millimeter base with a medium move then there's plenty of breathing room but yeah you you do have to watch that kind of stuff and have good kind of a good eye for the table and that sort of thing because. You know, but I mean, that's just part of playing X-Men. You've got to have a good eye for positioning. It's not an easy affiliation to just like, you're just not always in the right spot. So you're saying X-Men jump with medium base, uh, small or small base medium move can make it all the way to the back of a D. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Easy. Yeah, but it's, even it's just, you. Do, if there's a car or something in the wrong spot that makes it so you can't move the full distance, you can get stopped from that. Like, Loki's really good at that. Loki plus Mind, dude, if there's not terrain blocking the way, Loki and Mind is so good on spider portals in X-Men because you just, you do that hop and then you walk medium, walk medium, and like Mind Stone their character off and interact. And it's just, it's just wonderful. But... Doctor Strange or Corvus, they get there with a lot more flexibility and they can they can easily get there and so there's not really a risk of terrain stopping you. And can you block the home portal from this? No. You can with the meat at the small base. I just checked. Not from it. like it's Loki, because if you so um if you try to block the landing zone, you're in range for Loki to mindstone you before you do the movement. 
Yeah, that's a unique situation. Um, also. And then I mean, also, like, even a space stone, yeah. he can. And so the same room. thing can kind of happen with um, uh, Juggernaut. I've been doing this with Juggernaut as well too. What'll happen is is if uh, if I do the place and then the movement, and you're in the spot, so I can't slide or walk onto the portal, you're in punch range. <laughs> And so it's like, oh, well, if you're not going to let me get on the portal, then I'm going to punch you and potentially knock you off the portal anyway, and then still slide under the portal and interact. The math works out really well for X-Men here. I, I, I would love you. Like, I wanted to circle back because I do think you had some really cool strategies on um, the spider portals as well. Uh, it's like I know you had an idea of like Corvus going to the back point. Yeah, or Corvus is... could choose to go left or right. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility there. I don't know if you want to maybe elaborate yeah. on that as well. Well, I mean, that's what we're just talking about right here. So one of the things that um, that I did and say, I didn't end up winning the game against Nate, but um, he he thought with him getting the center of Montesi that he was going to be up point at the beginning of round one. And then uh, my last activation, I you know, had already positioned Domino within range two of Corvus. So he uses leadership, hops to the other side of Domino and then double moves and he just interacts and takes the point away from him. And I could tell he was not expecting that at all. And I thought, I thought I had talked about this trick enough that people already knew, but clearly that was not the case. And I was like, oh, all right, I guess I'm going to go up four to three. I ended up throwing that game because of Black Cat shenanigans, but um, it's still a really good, it's a really good tool. And if someone like I've had games where someone like leaves Ghost Rider there and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to double move a character right in front of Ghost Rider and like let him double six die energy whip me. Um, and then I'll just go, oh, well, which which of the side portals are you controlling? Cool. Then uh, I'm going to double move or I mean, maybe I'll leadership double move Corvus over there and I'll interact with that one. But I usually go up three to one on portals. Wow. Yeah, I, I stand corrected too. I just remeasured what you said with the small base, and actually, it's got a lot more give. I don't know, probably because I was listening to you, I missed some, something. But yeah, it's actually got tons of give. And then Corvus looks like completely unblockable. Yeah, um, massive space. So yeah, and Corvus having the reality gem means he doesn't get moved almost ever with spider portals, and then has a much like better likelihood of rolling over somebody. So even if they leave someone contesting, you have a really good shot at saying. Yeah, know, well, we could portal. do we could do an Xavier protocol section real quick because I actually had um, uh, oh. Jacob math this out for me so that I have the math for like comparing a four dice to Corvus. Mm. Uh, give me just a second. Hell yeah, unofficial official. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this Patrick is still Stewart from Xavier, right? So, here. Um, yeah. so four dice to get one hit to have one success is 94%. Three dice with the reality gem is 95%. Four dice to get two successes is 69%. It's 66% with three dice with the gem. And so it's really close. It's very, very similar to the behavior you get from the four dice, but you have so much less likelihood chance of suffering the penalty, which is great. True, because four dice have you know, one and four for everybody's skulls, but three dice, if you you don't even acknowledge the skulls. Yeah, Corvus almost two. never moves yeah. or almost never takes damage from deadly meteors. Yeah, which is huge because getting moved with Corvus is just horrendous, honestly. Uh, pretty much ever for any reason. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, good reason to have spider portals. 
but I've had um, some hilarious times using Doctor Strange in that spot, and um, I'll, I'll like flip it over them, and they're like, "Oh God damn it, I didn't see that coming!" And then Doctor Strange is just sitting there, you interact, and I get like one power, and then they like lay into Doctor Strange the next round, but because of him like spending for re rolls and like or spending for bonus dice and re rolling they don't kill him. And then he's like, all right, uh, heal myself. And then double move back to the other point. And like often interact as well. They're like, Oh, I'll interact, flip it anyway. Cause I got four dice against your one character. Then I'm going to heal myself and I'll double move back to the other point. And, and he's, then he's like almost back to full health. And you're just like, Holy shit. That sucked. Nice. Um, anything else with spider portals or maybe, well, yeah, I guess we'll, anything with spider portals, because I guess there is some things I would like to hear with Landman as well. Well, I um, think you, you have some interesting decisions to make, because obviously first class is a big part of this. If you haven't played X-Men, being able to start off and go, here's a card where all of my characters first interact is free. And that can be an interact with the extract or an interact with the secure. And so a lot of times your first interact, like with all the X-Men, is free. So you're going to get a little bit of a power advantage but you can more comfortably grab extracts and like still interact or conserve power. Like if rogue interacts once, she still has the power to charge an next round, or she still has the power to strip power from your opponent, that sort of thing. And so you don't suffer the same negatives that your opponent might. Um, But you have to make some really interesting decisions. Like some people like say coffee, he will prefer to do storm on his back point and keep storm a little bit more safe. And I will almost always position Storm to go after one of the two middle ones because of her four energy defense. So she has a reasonable chance to steal it from an opponent. And I'm willing to play a little more risky with her. She almost always gets dazed. But I'm usually willing to sacrifice that and let them give me five power on Storm because then she's like totally fueled up for the next round. And maybe that's like I throw your character further away and then Storm double moves to a different one and flips that one like that sort of thing. Um, but that's, that is some of the important decisions that you got to make as an X-Men player is kind of like, how are you going to play storm? Is she going to be a little bit more defensive? Are you taking to me, my X-Men? And in that case, you might want to keep her in the middle so that she can pull people either direction. Um, so you, you've got some, you still got a lot of interesting decision-making, but that's going to be something I'll probably reiterate a lot over the course of talking about X-Men is that it's, uh, I hate the floor ceiling thing because nobody thinks of that the same way. So I'm just going to say that X-Men has very high potential. I compare them to, if you've ever played a fighting game, right? I sucked at fighting games. So I played the character who had two like easy combos that I just repeated over and over again because I don't want to learn the game that much. Whereas X-Men is kind of like that crazy super combo character that nobody plays. But then you meet that one dude, Brad, who's fucking great with that character and then you can never beat him kind of like that's kind of how x-men play where there's the the better you are at making specific decisions in the moment in that matchup like your x-men game just gets better and better yeah they have a lot of passive triggers that are easily forgotten like just cover alone it can easily just oops i didn't even use cover this game (laughs) you know yeah you definitely Uh, want to get over that cover is huge Oh man, like playing Jugs in the list and like having him negate a damage and getting cover against all the energy attacks. You're like, oh, I thought he was supposed to be weak against energy. Well, not with Storm. Yeah, I mean, I know Mike can relate to this and probably you as well as Charles is like Domino forgetting to tell your opponent to not roll in their crit. Yeah, you got to be real proactive about that kind of stuff. Yeah, Beast with remembering your skull triggers. 
uh it seems like all the x-men have like these little booby traps where like it lets the player just not play their character correctly uh you know x23 and onion badger and i'm probably gonna suck at this because honestly i've played like one or two games with badger ever but the interactions between those two as well is is pretty passive you know uh, as far as like when they, you know, one of them gets attacked, make sure to move the other, or making sure to remember Honey Badger's passive incinerate ability. It just seems like like when they're making X Men, they're like, hmm, how can we trick our the players into not remembering something? Um, well, yeah. so while we're while we're still talking about spider portals, let's just like so a normal team that I would play would be Storm x23 and then my other three with three energy defense sometimes that's gambit sometimes that's domino i've played both versions and i like both so by the way i'm going to take those three x-men and then i will almost always round out the team with black panther eh, black panther as the fourth and then whichever five i have in the roster fills out the rest that's a spot where i like the five wide that that fifth character can be corvus it can be juggernaut it could be loki with the mind gem it can be Doctor Strange, OG, not Supreme. And I mean, it, and if you want to play like hardcore, like all X-Men, like Gene actually does reasonably well in that slot too. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to hit the roster afterwards and discuss yeah. those characters but, more thoroughly. But that's that's interesting. Um, Panther, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. Panther I mean, is probably I, my, yeah. he's, along with Storm, he ends up often being my most played character in X-Men. So, so okay. Well, one thing I've noticed too is like Mutant Madman and Portals are conveniently both eighteen. So it's just interesting to me that you can lock in seventeen and extracts, and then Secures is like almost locked eighteen. So like you could play Rogue instead, uh, um, the and then speed, have Corvus Proximum. Like this, so, yeah. I guess I'm curious what 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 happened that Panther. Well, so a big than... part of it is is that Panther can almost always push someone off the point and interact. The, the primary goal is just to keep the points going. And so, and Panther has the speed that say, like if he's holding an extract and people start laying into him, he can easily get like, I've had games where people beat up on him because they want to try to get him to drop the secure that he's hold or the extract that he's holding. And I will literally like, sometimes doesn't even need the storm jump. I'll like long move, long move, pounce and be on the totally other portal like that's not the not the center like the center line and just totally switch sides of the board and like and med pack himself along the way and it's just his speed and his ability to push people off the points is is super critical um and it just it helps in so many situations i i I love panther for that and i'll play him whenever i can yeah he can actually traverse the diagonal on madman like Angela and, and Amazing Spider-Man. I think they're like really the only characters that could do that um, because of his pounce. Yeah, I mean, you're referencing Portal in that situation though, right? Because he can actually go from Portal to Portal full across the entire table. Yeah, that's yeah, what he I mean. Can, like, he, he can go perpendicular but, across the but whole But also Mad Men as well. Which... Yeah, he can do the diagonal on Mad Men. He can do the straight across the midline from like... If you imagine, you know, Deadly Meteors, like, he's a character that if he has the power, he can interact with all three Meteors. So, is I guess it's, um, you know, kind of a rabbit hole thing, but, like, I I value the ability to just hold priority and slay people. <laughs> so, like, if I was going against a tall list, I think I like your version better, but if I was playing against, like, kind of a, what feels like the kind of, 
less so average. I want to say average, but it just doesn't feel correct anymore because the game has gotten so polarized with like these crazy wide teams and these crazy tall teams. And it feels like going five characters now almost feels abnormal now. Um, but hypothetically, you know, Corvus Proxima is like well built for like the 5v5 scenario. And I guess I would rather have Corvus Proxima and hold Pryo and be able to kill things and just kind of create like a little fortress for myself and maybe just have like an edge. Like you said, you got like say three portals turn one and then you don't even really need to push that hard for VPs because you can kind of just hold a lead and just go for like a turn four victory, you know? Yeah, but you don't have to kill people to do that ends up being the thing. Like once you're ahead, then you can play for parity. And like the more that you're, if you're ahead, the more that you're standing around fueling them up with power or potentially giving an opportunity for them to like lose a character that you didn't want to lose. Sometimes it's just like, yes, there are absolutely times that you're going to have to make attacks and you have to know when to fight. And that's honestly one of the hardest things about X-Men is knowing when to fight and when not to fight. It's a very difficult, there is no easy answer. Um, but the the mobility ends up being very key for me. And I just, I don't, I don't choose to fight first. I'll fight when it's necessary. And honestly, Black Panther's still really fucking good at it. <laughs> like when he has to kill someone, yeah. he usually can. And people often forget Black Panther's spender can still push size fours. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've used his spender so infrequently. His, his spender did He's not get man. nerfed. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah so it, it gives you all sorts of like... outs. Like almost every game of cut, but yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, I'll totally like into a juggernaut or something. I'll mantle, like, and then build up power like on the first strike, and then do the energy as the second attack, which then they have less dice of defense, and I can push them away afterwards. It's people don't see that stuff coming, but and it's not that you shouldn't play the the Corvus and Proxima version; they're quite good. But uh, I haven't felt as advantaged playing that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Rogue can literally drain someone so they can't interact, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, um, you can really play down, like, keep people from playing the cards that they want to play, like, by keeping their power. Like, the more that they have to interact to even keep pace with you, the more that they can't ever do anything with those characters. You know, if you imagine that they have, you know, let's just say they have a Black Swan across the table from you. If she has to interact every round, and you never attack her, and she never gets to make any attacks, that's all she ever gets to do. And if you're yeah. winning, that's the way you want to keep it going. That's true. Black Swan probably hates pay-to-flips, <laughs> even though she has, like, the awesome stats for them. They're just paying that power is, like, a, a tax, you know. Um, well, uh, that is interesting. I have to think about that. Yeah. I, I don't know that either of us is right or wrong either, and I think when, when I say, like, fighting, I... I don't mean like going after fights what i mean is you go up on vp then i actually literally run away and then i defend like what i consider my advantage points and that doesn't mean also i wouldn't like run a character over to score your like maybe unprotected point but uh i guess my point is like one of the cores of this game and in any miniatures game is if your opponent's being forced to move they're probably burning actions and now you're like up on action economy, yeah. right? And then when you're up on action economy, it allows you to kill them, which, and then if you're holding priority, which is kind of Corvus's master plan, uh, then you generally can like wipe activations or characters entirely off the board, which obviously improves your action economy because they're now down whole characters. 
I think a small part of this is is that you may just prefer holding priority, where I prefer as the game goes on, I would prefer to not have it and be having the last activation, like going into round Mm -hmm. three. I would much rather be able like, okay, I, you know, I have the last activation, which basically guarantees that I win. Um, which like it it goes both ways and you're right. There's not a right or wrong answer. Like when you're playing X-Men, you have to make very conscious decisions about when you want to have priority and when you don't, and both are reasonable. Sometimes you want to have priority so this character can run away or you want to have priority so that Corvus can kill voodoo or, you know, there's all sorts of subtle decisions in there and it's never an easy which way, which is what kind of makes X-Men so hard. It's not like, Oh, black order pretty much always wants to have priority. (laughs) Um, with X-Men, you're making a very conscious decision constantly throughout the game. Um, but I just haven't... And I, th- the weird thing is, is that Proxima is still really good in all these situations. But yeah. I just... I prefer the combination of the third X-Men at three and having Black Panther. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. in the X-Men jump. And Proxima probably can do, like, jump, move, attack, teleport, which is kind of fun. Granted, not really as potent as like a Panther thing, and obviously, and like I would just say, like when you're dealing with secures, generally going last is the superior option, sort of at least as a generic concept. So you're definitely making some sense there. Now, I after hearing your strategies in your podcast, and then you talked about mutant madman, you once again kind of threw a curveball when you mentioned that you really liked going wider. And I guess maybe as a segue, I'm curious if you could describe Mad yeah. Men to people. So there was a point where I think it just kept happening where I would play on Mutant Mad Men and then people would choose 17. And so I was constantly practicing these 17 teams. And then there was a point where my opponent wanted to play their extracts. And so I got to choose Mad Men. And then I was like, oh, do I want 17 or 18? And then I realized the roster didn't have a great 18 that would play Rogue. And I was like, this feels wrong. So then I thought about changing the roster and do like, do I fit in Cyclops? Do I play, you know, you know, one of the grunt characters? Maybe now I would consider Black Swan. But then it was mathing it out. And I realized that I could switch one of the threes and actually put back in Beast. And I, and so I started testing out this idea of playing Storm, Beast, and then my two other threes. So that would be uh, X-23 is my regular now and then Domino or Gambit, and then Toad, or whatever my other two is. I think Bullseye and Okoye are both very valid choices there. And then Black Panther. And as soon as I started testing that, it was insane. Like, listeners, if you get to play against X-Men, don't choose 18. (laughs) Don't let your X-Men player play that level, because it it feels like one of the best possible matchups for X-Men. That team is so good, where you can split and have three on each side on mutant madmen and just have so many ways to interact and so much power for interacting and like you lose a character and you still have five characters it just i haven't even really come close to losing a game like even my game against nick uh waffle um at adepticon that was still a reasonably close game but just the difference was is i just had one more character and toad just got to bounce around every time he'd leave a point toad would just go flip it and that every time I did that, that would cost him an action so that he had to move back and like get it back. And it just, it constantly kept checking him. And I just, I can't, it was one of those teams that I didn't think it was that good until I started playing it. And then I was just like, 
holy shit, this team is great. I think I lost you on one thing. Did you say I heard Toad Beast? You, you said Panther. You play Panther, right? Yes, it's the yeah. four three threat X or four of your threes for X Men. So whichever ones that you're running, like so. 23 beast and then what's the other three obviously storm storm and then the the fourth one is either domino or uh, uh gambit whichever one you like running in the oh, roster interesting both have right now i'm running gambit and liking it a lot but i played domino at adepticon and she obviously did great work for me there too so both are very very valid choices um and then toad and panther and that team is ridiculous on mutant medmen so you're not big on playing Honey Badger in a you know, 10, huh? I, I don't play her. She's something that I would bring in for when I lose priority if I felt like I had the spot. I think she's a really interesting character that fits well in certain like central crisis combinations. But since she doesn't, she's not rel- she's not she's a character I'll never play when I have priority. And I just don't have the space for her in my 10. Um, I think she's a little bit more of an X-Force character, you know, it's a Damage Room podcast, so we got to say X Force at some point. So, <laughs> Dizzard, sure. all hail the Messiah. Um, I think she's a great X Force character, but I don't, I don't play her in X Men. Yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't put insane thought into it, but my generic thought with ba- Badger is that you can then play a 16th threat Corvus Proxima, which, I mean, feels good in my head. I, you know, uh, I don't know, like. I don't know. I like. I really haven't thought too much deeper than that. I know sixteen tends to be like a really interesting bottleneck that, like for example, Syndicate likes to put down, and then also like it's sort of a Black Order territory. I don't know that you want to play Corvus Proxima into Black Order anyway, so that's where it gets weird. Um, but that's where my head's at with with Badger. But then obviously you can't do the cool list you just mentioned. Um, also, Beast in general is kind of a funny one because, other than this Madman strat, did you have you found Beast to be like good at anything else? Um, so it it depends. I end up he ends up being a character I bring in a fair amount when I lose priority. Like he's great on Madman. I won't generally play him on Deadly Meteors or on Spider Portals because of the two energy defense. Um, but just for example, the last tournament that I was at, which was a local one, but in the, the final round of it, uh, I lost priority and I was playing against Midnight Suns on, uh, Extremist console. And I ended up playing Storm, uh, X-23, Beast, and Gambit, and Juggernaut. And I ended up really liking how that team played in that situation. So Beast sometimes feels where he actually, like double moved and took a spider that my opponent wasn't expecting me to be able to take. Um, and he just like, he wanted to kind of get started on the attrition and wasn't grabbing all the extracts right away. And he just, it's another character that just puts weird pressure on your opponent's order of activation and just helps provide opportunities for people to fail. And even though I was facing off against ghost rider kept making attacks into him, the combination of sacrifice and him doing re-rolls and getting cover from the range three attacks, Beast never in- never even ended up getting dazed. Uh, mind you, I healed him a lot. I had like every character <laughs> interacting with the extremist to heal Beast. Uh, so, th- I mean, he got healed for a lot, but I was surprised that Beast took a ton of energy attacks to the face and then still never got dazed and was holding an extract at the end of the game. Yeah, I found as long as he gets cover, 
the two energy is not that bad. Um, well, and again, two energy plus one reroll is only like marginally worse than three energy. Yeah, it's people do overblow it a little bit. However, like I hear Mike telling me stories about how his rogue just like popped off on beast, and that does make me sad because you're not getting cover from those attacks. <laughs> yeah, it can. <laughs> you know, there are certainly some situations he's like he does not like Killmonger attacking him. Right, there's a lot of situations that really can suck for that, and he can go down. But he's also a three threat. You don't, you just don't expect three threats to live through everything. Yeah, I do. Little... I expect Gwen to live through the, every game. <laughs> <laughs> that's your. That's it's just in your heart, Mike. You just I'm you just, love Gwen so much. I'm just trolling, but Dude, yeah, my Gwen never lives through anything. I have fond memories of Beast, but I am still like, I I don't know. I have to think a lot about it because like you just described that he's not even good at some of your own stuff that you're bringing. Never mind, possibly what other people bring. I think though Guardians is like super popular right now and as much as I think the energy is probably not as bad as we think when you add an incinerator or something onto that one that those two die then it starts feeling really tragic. Um I will say that Guardians is one of the matchups that that is very scary for me. Like of all of the top tier stuff, Guardians is probably the one that worries me the most cuz they just have so many opportunities to spike. But Guardians also do, like, there's a lot of situations where if you lose priority to X-Men, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And Guardians is one of those. Um, But at the same time, X-Men doesn't really want to make that many attacks. And so they don't power up Ghost Rider. And then a lot of the time their energy attacks are getting cover because they they don't want to get Rocket and Star-Lord that close. So you're benefiting from cover from every attack. And so the... it, you know, it's but it is a matchup that worries me, and I feel like is one of the more stressful ones to play. Hmm. Um. Yeah. That's. Uh, I do think the X Men should be well positioned in the Guardians. I, I'm curious when you do win prior against Guardians, what's your you go secures? Yeah. I. I, I as see. I said, I will pretty much take You're like big on. Yeah, unless someone yeah. has the same secures, then maybe I, I extracts. But uh, I pretty much always take my secures because I there there hasn't been any case where I've gotten to choose secures going first where I don't feel advantaged. Charles, what, what's your third secure? Is it meteors? Uh, it's, yes, I it's think meteors. There's I've tried it out with like a non pay to flip as the third. Like Infinity Formula is actually a pretty strong crisis I think for X Men, but I just don't want to get trapped into the Criminal Syndicate matchup. There can go really badly. Um, and then I've tried sword, which I know is, uh, coffee's preference, but honestly, I feel like sword is too fair where I can't stat, like there's this management of one, like choosing energy defense characters to help you get an advantage and like having characters there contesting to like change the math of how hard it is for your opponent. And sword doesn't penalize people for playing characters like voodoo and vision and things like that. And so that's why I've shied away from sword but I think it's still a, it's a valid choice depending on your roster design. Um, I, I'm meteor mm-hmm. is my third, um, but playing meteor, I do like, that's one where I want kind of want a character like Corvus, who's less likely to take damage. You 100% want X 23 who can heal back some of that damage. Um, and it's obviously if another pay to flip came out, I would seriously consider dropping meteors. Yeah. Yeah, Meteors is definitely, like, the least bad out of your choices, and 
Sword, sword is kind of like a great equalizer. Uh, there is no way to hedge it other than bring more characters. Yeah, it's, and, it's the most yeah. fair. Yeah, it definitely feels... I was playing some sword games the other day, and it definitely feels like just freaking coin toss, man. Yeah, and I, I want to avoid that. Toss. I think you can actually manipulate the other pay to flips where I feel very advantaged through it. And like advantage in a way I don't feel as advantaged in other games, even on normal secures with Wakanda or, you know, playing Black Order. Like the way I feel advantaged with X-Men is a way that I feel like I get to control it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do another shout out to Pat because he said something a couple weeks back, which was like emphasis on the play in counterplay. And I think that is a spot where X-Men can really, really shine is that it gives you lots of opportunities for you to outplay your opponent. You know, every time that you're factoring in the leadership and they're not, or they're trying to factor in all the different ways that you can use the leadership and how that hinders their optimal plays. And it just, X-Men is an affiliation, I think, that gives a a very knowledgeable, very experienced player lots of outs, no matter kind of how weird the matchup is, I feel like X-Men will always at least have a chance for you to outplay the opponent. Yeah, they so definitely feel we... like they're encroaching on like Avengers level territory where they're, they're getting like hyper flexible just through like volume of characters. Yes, I think they're, you know, round a similar level of flexibility, not quite, you know, as much raw strength. Like the Avengers roster is just ridiculous. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Not the same raw strength, but a similar level of flexibility. Yeah, I still think they need to feed off of unaffiliated a little bit to like really get the engine running. But I think they've definitely got a better core as they go. Storm still kind of feels like a little bit of two threat, but you know it's fine. You just got to work. We'll, around we'll it. agree to disagree there. I think <laughs> this actually came up in a discussion well, in the X Men well, chat. Hang where... on. I I got a segue to that. Okay, because. Mike and I tested the shit out of X-Men for the last summer. This was like I know. I, I was listening to all the, the shows. So yeah, it was about a year you, ago now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, we found Spider-Infected to be not great because when Storm's like hiding and then the, the extract is like literally forcing her to not hide anymore, it, it didn't always work out too great for your team. And then also you're trying to like stay together there's too many extracts, which means not enough of your characters are actually utilizing the jump anymore. I mean, it's like a lot of negatives, but we kind of made an argument that forget all that. Like the game is evolved and play a little more defensive. We have different new characters and, you know, it's just, you can, it's, it's good against like voodoo and cat, all that stuff. And so it's interesting and I'm willing to like keep trying all that. I, I definitely would rather have cubes, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, and probably even maybe Mentesi a little bit, but um, but you know what else we found sucked really badly was deadly meteors. Okay, well, let's talk about the extracts for just a little bit storm. more before we move back to <laughs> meteors. Well, uh, but yeah. So I have one thing to to cap off what we're saying. We'll continue talking about extracts, but I do think the world's a little different now uh, regarding the spider infected because back then I think we were just on the like the precipice of just realizing how insane Enchantress all you've got yeah. was. Yeah. And me. it just became like, well, why am I playing this, you know, scenario when I can just beam town the entire team, right? Yeah, it was a totally different meta. Yeah. And, you know, where a, a storm in that kind of meta is a super liability. Like they just there's so much potential for you to kill multiple characters in the same activation. We don't even really need to get into it that much. It's like it it, it was just such a 
I can see why it struggled more in that meta, but that's just well, that meta was crazy. Yeah, on the spider infected thing to back up Mike's point is like also you had all you've got crazies just like like our Dormammu list. All it took was one character to move a little bit too forward, and then like one of your characters just enslaves them, steals the spider, and can like run away or whatever, you know. Um, so the game was a lot more spiky back then, and like tankiness is sort of more rewarded. That's why I think syndicate has managed to do better lately um but i'm curious like because i mike you're mostly talking spider infected there right are you also saying that deadly meteors is different now uh i'm not sure deadly meteors is different i mean i i still am not going to love playing storm on the front line um, but Charles has clear. He said earlier in this pod that he doesn't have a problem running yeah, storm to the front Yeah, and I have some grievances with his. So style. I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Let's see what he has to say. Okay, so let's let's talk about the extracts for just a minute. Like, so originally okay. when I was diving more into X Men, um, I went with the the single extracts to start, and I was splashing Voodoo and just figured if I don't have priority, I will play like a Voodoo like leadership into the position, and then like kill someone and get the extract. Um, but I was just mathing out different situations. And I didn't like the same thing that you were talking about, where when you have all these different extracts on the table, then you can't storm jump as much. And so I was actually playing for a while. I played Alien Ship and Scrolls and Researcher, thinking, well, like, at least with Researcher, right? Like, there's never an extract. So everybody can always jump. And Doctor Strange on Researcher is very good. Um, but what I found was is there was still more situations that I felt like my opponents could get the advantages in those situations than with the, with the spiders and with the cubes. Um, and I, in general, spiders is probably my preferred one because one, it hurts the teams that play a little bit wider because they can't hold multiple on the same character. You can't end up with multiple spiders all on Hulk. You, and so it's a little bit easier for, again, for you to outplay your opponent with it. Oh, I think you, I think you said punishes wider teams. I think you mean narrower teams. Yeah, correct? narrower teams. Yeah. Okay. yeah, the fact that I'm playing yeah, right. a wider team, like I can hold, I can more easily hold multiple spiders. And generally, like if I'm holding three or four spiders, I am happy about it, even if I can't use the leadership. Like it sucks that I can't use the leadership because herbs exist, and so the leadership can't allow you to move with an extract. Um, and this is part of why I hate the herbs, and I'm 100 on Team Deluca on this one. Um, mm. uh, but we don't have to get into that. Um, I just wanted to say like, it's a balancing act. Like neither of the situations are perfect. I've just felt after testing, I will lean towards, um, spiders is my first choice just because it keeps it spread out. And, um, I'm not generally like my first goal isn't making attacks. And so if I move, it's just like people move me away or move me closer and then I'll like run to another secure, but. It, I, I can see the I, I see your points and it's just like there isn't a perfect situation. We're just trying to come up with the best possible way for you to get an advantage with the extracts. And there's no 100% awesome answer right now. Right. I think we can all agree on that. Nobody wants yeah. to lose priority, choose extracts and like, but X-Men at least have like a few cool tools and that that helps. Um, so do you guys want to comment or ask any other questions on that before we go to meteors? No, I I think it's I agree with you. Actually, it's kind of connected, really, with um, our last episode, which Mike went over pretty well. Which just the way the game is evolving and everyone's getting either tall or super wide. I I really agree with you that I think 
even though our old testing says don't do this, <laughs> I feel like the game's evolved in such a way that we kind of have to, and it's the lesser of many evils, you know? So uh, until we get better choices, maybe, I, I don't know, really. But I, I'm totally conceding on the spider thing, and, and I'm all in on that. It, what throws me, though, is I'm still not convinced at all about deadly meteors. Well, and I, I will also even... say, I've used Infinity Formula, and I've beaten Syndicate many times. But I play way more aggressive X-Men than you do, so I just wonder if that's our philosophical dis- difference. And, and I, I, th- I think that's you okay. want to try. Yeah. Well, no, I think uh, that's totally fine. Like, if you feel like your specific build can take Syndicate in that situation then dude, just go for it. Like, it's easily my third. It is a very distant third secure. I am not going to, like, go out and preach to anyone and be like, dude, you should play Deadly Meteor. Like, it's it's easily my third, and it's something that I will just make work because I still feel like I'm better at it than most teams. But... Yeah. I mean, this isn't... This is just two guys who love X-Men yeah. who have experiences, and I just want to hear your experiences. You know, maybe I haven't played enough Deadly Meteors... I feel like I played a lot a year ago, but things are different now, yeah. you know, so maybe I'm missing something. No, um, I don't I don't think you're actually missing something here, Sploosh. And you know I'm totally willing to argue with you, but this is not mm. actually a situation where I I think all of them are valid choices. I think Infinity Formula as your third is a valid choice. I think Deadly Meteors is a valid choice. Sword is a valid choice. And honestly, Extremist Console is a pretty reasonable one for us as well. I think yeah. any of those, depending on your roster and your style, picking that third is really going to be up to the individual player. Yeah, I'd be less enthusiastic enthusiastic about extremist into Syndicate as someone who's played a lot of Syndicate. I just think Syndicate can derp better than you can. You do, like, it's the who's the beatdown, the, the never-ending thing you have to keep bringing up. But you're going to be the beatdown against Syndicate, just it's the way it works. and infinity's fueling your characters with power to help you kill them uh and just i feel more comfortable maybe with killing things on map b where map d allows syndicate to like run around doing what you just described you're doing to everyone else you know so i just think against syndicate you kind of have to play completely differently yeah and i mean with but with characters like black panther like you can easily end up with a point that they're never gonna score and they can't run around as well like kingpin can't move around like all of your characters can move around it's uh, but again we're talking about the distant third secure it's just yeah depends on your build and your strategy and it's really going to come down to some of the very subtle choices in your roster like which one you want to play and like when i switched in corvus and x23 i liked meteors just a little bit more than infinity formula but dude i could i could i could flip flop and go back to infinity formula at, at any moment it wouldn't wouldn't be that weird. Mm. Yeah, fair. I, I could see Sword as like a coward's way out of like, you know what? I don't even want to choose. So I'm just going to go with this like <laughs> super 50-50 one. Where literally the game will be decided by a die roll. <laughs> um, well, that's, I gotta... That was my experience playing against Mike. So why not, right? Well, um, I can't let you say it's a coward ways out. Because uh, like Coffee's my X-Men bro at this point, And he runs it. And so I'm going to defend his position. On uh... It is something where... X-Men can at least run a reasonably wide team at 14 and sword can like what he kind of, what he sometimes likes about sword is that it will actually encourage people to like, let him choose extracts. And it, he, he, he gets some stuff out of it for his specific roster that I think works for him and his situations. And so 
I think you, it, I think it like the other options that we've talked about all have value that you, you as the X-Men player have to decide which one works best for you. And I don't think there's a 100% wrong choice. Would you know what his team is for sword? I mean, I'm very curious, like what's his feelings on like what team he brings that he's confident in. Uh, I forget what he said he runs specifically, but his roster is a little different than what we've talked about. He will play a little yeah. bit more X-Men. Um, he also runs Hulkbuster in his roster yeah. a lot of the time. Again, it's it's a slightly different style. He will still play Portals and Mad Men. He just, again, he likes he likes Sword as his third. But, you know, we talked about it. I think I might have swayed him a little bit the other way, but I, I get his view too. I could see him doing Hulkbuster like jump uh, tr- uh, hit and run strategies. Uh, it would be four wide, but maybe you're not going last, but maybe you're causing so much mayhem that it doesn't matter. I mean, or at least at the, maybe they can't even move your Hulkbuster cause he's just too fat. So <laughs> they still, at the end of the day are just rolling the 50 50 on you. Uh, cause you know, like you said, like instinctually going like last activation tends to be like the trick um you know we don't have enchantress in the universe anymore so it's like it's really just a 50 50 often at the end of the day well i will say a lot of the x-men threes kill other threes one-on-one like domino kills most other threes one-on-one x-23 kills most other threes one-on-one yeah and so you there is still that game but it scares me like i don't want to play that game but i just i respect why he he likes it the problem is at the end of the day you still are bringing storm which is like your weakness but I do agree that like X twenty three can do like even like move no matter the cost get up there, uh you know beat on someone still have power to flip. Yeah, he plays no or, matter the cost, and so that 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 affects that. Yeah, I don't. I do, or at least I would. I think it's such a good card, uh, especially with gives it gives twenty three so many cool options. I mean, you could just flat out kill someone with that roll. I mean, that, that attack's ridiculous. But uh, I agree with you, Domino as well. She can just be so scary and especially if they can't move her at all she's just a turret of death um i I would even consider like hulk like leave storm behind or maybe even like a honey badger or something and then let hulk jump off of him and then move up in there and get some kills like double attack middle the problem there is then you're just still four wide into probably potentially five and then that's when it just becomes dice rolls because if your opponent just keeps flipping correctly then they're like moving your cool character where you don't want them to be moved and it kind of gets awkward. Yeah, and that's why I don't prefer it because I just like, I just don't yeah. like giving every, I don't like every voodoo, every vision, every enchantress. I just don't like all those characters to have the 50-50. I want to punish people for taking too many of the one and two energy yeah. defense characters. Yeah, that's why I say the coward's way out and I don't feel shameful about it. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're like literally just like, See that die over there? That's going to decide a lot of this game. Let's go. <laughs> and, and I would rather, if this is competitive talk, I, we want to find edges and, and yeah. hedge our bets, you know? So uh, if you just say, you know what, I'm done. I can't pick this last card. Let's just roll the die. <laughs> that's certainly an option, and it can work. Well, that's sometimes what hammers feels like. You're like, well, this is just going to come down to somebody's crazy dice one way or the other. It's... yeah. All right. Well, it's interesting talk. I think we've murdered the discussion on objectives, but I love it um, and good stuff. Dude, choosing uh, choosing your crisis is one of like the hardest, most subtle parts of the game, and it's it's probably something we will endlessly discuss. Oh yeah, and I mean, for everything we mentioned, we didn't mention like 
most <laughs> everything right the majority of the game we didn't even you know mention and, and there'd be no time to do all that um but not bringing something says as much as what you bring i think uh so yeah that's definitely the strengths and weaknesses um i don't know, mike if you want to have any thoughts on that part or just move on here uh um, no i mean I, i've i've ranted about you know, crisis crises and what is in the game enough. <laughs> uh, it feels like it's every episode this, at this point, but yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, funny story. I uh, I was re-listening to the B's and D's episode and then mm. went from that one to the most recent episode. And it almost felt like the conversation just accidentally continued because it went right from complaining about herbs to complaining about herbs. <laughs> hell yeah at least we're consistent <laughs> i was like oh man that's like you could literally just combine the two at a certain point it was it was kind of funny in the moment yeah it, it, yeah yeah i definitely try not to like contradict myself so that that's yeah. good that you are consistent <laughs> yeah all right well sploosh where do you want to go next well i wanted to talk characters but after just what we talked about i don't think we're going to come to the same conclusions because uh we're kind of pulling in different directions a little bit uh i guess like so hear me out here, but when I play an affiliation, I'll, you're going to want to play characters that are like best in class, right? Like mm -hmm. they, I agree. They're just the best at what they do and they're affiliated. So yay, <laughs> you know, and I already mentioned earlier, like Rogue can handle size fours, which is huge right now. X23 is like almost Zemo, which, you know, that doesn't, I love Zemo. So more, more Zemo is good. Well, she's a Zemo um, that can hold cubes for you, which is yes. a pretty big deal. Healing factor is sweet, yeah. uh, especially with cubes. Uh, yeah, so X23 is amazing. And then you have Domino, who's probably one of the most killy characters in the game secretly, uh, as far as three threats go. And randomly so, tanky. Yeah, but what I didn't... Well, I mean, Rogue can move things, but your, your threes are, in my opinion, Domino X23 most of the time is what I would like to bring. And that just screams like, I like killing. <laughs> That's what I'm getting out of it. Because 23 is not moving anyone, and Domino doesn't move people either. So here's uh, what I would – the way that I would approach it is that one of the nice parts about having threat is that you just don't always have to use it, right? Part yeah. of it is just how it scares your opponent and how their opponent has to play around that potential. And so you can still play for the secures and have these killy characters that then will punish someone if they come after you and try to flip that point and then you're like boom i will just kill that character in response um you know suck it but that doesn't mean you have to build out the whole team for offense but i like it when my team has lots of ability to apply threat when i need it and so like oh maybe the flips haven't been going as well for me or maybe i had a couple of key bad rolls or my opponent's playing very aggressive i want to be able to like recognize when i'm the beat down and have an option yeah. there but that doesn't mean it's my first plan so i think you can do a mix of mix of both um i would still say playing for the secure is their strength but they have lots of ways of countering how other people are going to address that does that kind of make sense sploosh yeah yeah i mean like obviously if someone was just, just like double move last activation next to domino I you're going to like activate domino next turn, right? Like you have priority. There's this dude standing next to you and you can kill them. Like, I, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I assume you will kill things if people make like poor decisions and move things into your threat zone or whatever. Right. Like 
Yeah, it's you're not going to like just double move run domino away because like I don't no, know. Not usually with Domino, but yeah, part of the part of the niceness of like Domino's survivability, like depending on what character they move, right? Like if Corvus moves, uh, I probably well, that's a harder one. But depends if it's another three. Most of the time, I'll feel like Domino can probably live through it, and I would still look for spots on the table where there is a more crucial move, and it's mm. easy to not not let yourself get trapped into feeling like you need to daze that character to win. I'm like, is there a character who's holding an extract that I need to get to safety? to have a 0% chance of losing that extract. And so I will look for those things first. But sometimes when you just like the state of the game, right? When you're just like, I kind of like everything with where it's at. Then that's where I usually look at a character like Domino who doesn't have a push and go, hmm, is she positioned? Is the person next to her someone that she can just obliterate? Then I'm going to go for it. But if it's someone that I'm worried that I might not kill, and then I will just power them up so that they can actually kill Domino, then I'm going to still look for, for other opportunities. And again, there's, there's just no always this or always this. It's a constant yeah, sure. flexible plan. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that is one thing that's interesting about Domino. Since she blocks crits, she can off, you can off, you can almost know she won't die from certain attacks. Cause well, still marble dice. A maximum amount of dice. Yeah. There's still a maximum <laughs> amount of dice, but you know that sometimes yeah. they can still roll ridiculous well let's let's talk about your roster for a little bit like because i agree with your core set of characters right i just think you know the domino versus gambit is a flexible choice i think both are valid but i think if you're starting with a core set of four of storm x23 domino rogue that is an absolute valid direction and i think all of those characters are great and i just kind of add beast to that mix yeah, so Beast is like I need I, I want him and even just the fact that he has the medium base that helps with the hops so that a medium mover can grab middle extracts uh or just do stuff um but yeah, I'm not convinced on Beast cuz he isn't so much like best in class <laughs> really he's... but he creates a best in class team. Like I think that X-Men team with Beast on Mutant Madman, and Mutant Madman is something other people will drop into you. There are lots of teams out there, X-Men think they're the best on it. A lot of Spider-Foes players are using Mutant Madman. It is a very common team. So you can lose priority and still end up playing on Mutant Madman, and Beast is a rock star there. Like, try out that team of six. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I... I, I just, you, can, you convinced me to try and consider yeah. it. The fact that, I mean... I'll admit that I often get locked into I want the best five characters and I sort of look away from six. But I could see with Mad Men, you know, it's it creates that stuff. Really, pay to flips in general create this like flip and run away sort of style that like frustrates attrition teams. Uh, and so having six characters is often just better than five in that situation. But if you take, oh, like, that's... the core of my roster, and it's those five X-Men, right? And then Toad, Black Panther, and then I pick my favorite five, which can obviously be Corvus. And then the other two slots are totally flexible. Um, you can totally still run Prox. I think Proxima is just a really valid character. There's times that you'll play Proxima and won't play Corvus just because of her speed and her, like, overall yeah. survivability as a three is, like, still a still a really solid, like you could yeah i was thinking about that because if i played honey badger instead of toad that would allow me to play proxima instead of beast mm. and both are kind of net negative because i wouldn't i wouldn't do that yeah honey you're losing badger in... doesn't interact like toad and toad's like mvp yeah. 
Um, I think you and could then, still yeah, you can still play Badger in the roster, right? Like I think you could, I think you could play that team kind of like what I played in Adepticon. Still run Beast, and then your your last two mm. characters after Corvus are Proxima and Honey Badger. And Honey Badger can still really help you out in some of those uh, more attritiony well, situations. Maybe this is the discussion to sort of segue is a 16th threat. You were just playing Black Order at Adepticon where I think Honey Badger opens up just pure X-Men 16. Well, I can tell and you, guess... nobody wanted to, nobody, when you have Black Order as an option in your roster, nobody really lets you choose 16. So that, that never, that never came up. Hmm. Do you do you still play Thanos in your roster? Do you think he still should be in your roster? Because I, I found, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll take a gem off him and then have like a really intimidating fifteen. But then, or or even just play Black Order at fifteen, which I think can throw people off. But then I think with Gamma, Black Order can just lose, especially to um, like Guardians at fifteen. And that's really swayed me off of that concept entirely. Yeah, I, I, he's he's. I could take it or leave it. He was literally the last change. The only reason I put him in at Adepticon is that Voodoo was my tenth. And then I'm like, well, if I'm gonna play Corvus and Proxima almost every single time, I lose priority because I'm gonna do the cubes and spider infected tricks. I can't play Corvus, Proxima, and Voodoo. Like that's just the math doesn't work out. And so if Voodoo is yeah. literally only gonna come in on like some games in hammers that's not worth that slot and even though i had just made a big speech about how i thought voodoo should be in every roster um and then i take him oh, out yeah. and i was just like well i mean putting thanos in just seemed like having the largest impact even though i didn't really want to play him i thought he would give me an out if i got stuck into a weird black order matchup that i just didn't feel comfortable with um or there could be situations where i just splash thanos into x-men um I never really did it. I only played Black Order once at that event. Um, so I, I still think it's a valid option. I think it's still a very strong option. I don't know if it's my first choice or not. Um, I've been testing out a few different things since then. Just kind of keep the keep the ball rolling, like see what works. Um, and like I said, I've been trying Juggernaut in the Corvus spot, and I, he's actually impressed me quite a bit. Well, bold play. So you're even considering dropping Corvus from Jug? That's what I've been playing right now, and that's what I played at the the last event. I actually played it with a Wakanda splash, so basically that that last spot was Shuri, and so that I could play Wakanda, and I switched Toad for a Koye, um, and it's very good. I I liked it quite a bit again, but it's hard to tell which one is the best version because they all kind of have they shift your strengths and weaknesses just like little notches. Like if you imagine a big DJ setup and equalizer, each of these changes just makes one matchup go down a little, another go up a little, and it's very interesting. Have you put any thought into how X-Men can beat uh, or play 16 maybe into Black Order? Well, uh, it again, it's going to depend a little bit on the team. Um, I think, it, especially if you're running one of the teams where you're going to fit Jean in there, I think she messes with that stuff quite a bit. Um, and there's been a lot of times I've considered putting her back in because she will really mess with that Thanos math. And I think playing Jean, two of the threes, picking your Toad or a Koye or whatever that other two thread is, and then you can either splash a three. Um, there's there's a lot of options to build there. Um, 
but it kind of depends. Like if we're playing 16, that means that I won priority. So we're playing on one of my pay to flips, right? Cause I, there's no situation where I'm going to choose a 16. And so that means the only time I'm playing against black order on 16 means we're playing on my secures, which, so the worst case situation would be to get stuck playing against black order on like deadly meteors researcher or something like that. Like, obviously that's yeah, a rough situation, but you can't avoid everything, but mutant madmen or spider portals. I'll just play my normal game plan. Like they will slowly chew through some of my characters, but I will outscore them. Interesting. I guess 16 would be researcher most likely, right? Like, yeah, they would ha- the basically, they have to get yeah. researcher is really the only situation. And as long as it's spider portals or mutant madmen at 16, I'm fine with that. Um, if it's Deadly Meteors Researcher, that's a rough game. And I had to play that against uh, Guardians, and it scared the hell out of me the whole time. Okay. Um, well, kind of character-related, but have you, especially with our last episode, have you put thought into how X-Men are going to take on Fury Herbs nonsense? Oh, I mean, I just listened to that episode, and I was like, oh, do I need a splash? And I'm like, oh, no, it's actually, it's totally casual. It's like, I have advanced R&D in my roster, at the very least, I can always just do advanced R&D and beast. Um, but I can also, um, you can also leadership Black Panther up. Like you can position someone within range two of Black Panther or just put someone. So if, after Black Panther's long move, he's within range two of a character so that he can hop to the other side of them. And then he just pushes Fury off and then Fury will never get to score. Like Fury's not going to kill Black Panther. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It's, but then I like, I've got jugs in there right now. He could do the same thing. Like I'm honestly not worried about that matchup at all as X-Men. I've got some really good teams at 15 that just casually take care of that. Fair. Interesting. Um, I, one character I want to toy with, uh, which might sound crazy, but I'm up for crazy. Uh, I actually discussed it on Lex's podcast completely by accident with uh, Cassandra Nova and X-Men. Yeah, um, I I dig her. Uh, did you have any specific thoughts? Well, a few things. Uh, one is mental domination is like a ridiculous card. Agreed. Uh, and I love it against Hulks, which have become very popular lately. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's more. Like, I'm pretty sure it would move Juggernaut too and make him just punch himself. But uh, mostly it's just Hulk. And it gets through Bodyguard, which is really good. Because that's what ends up happening is people just surround Hulk with bodyguards. Uh, yeah, no, it's and a, also it's a great she card. just so happens to have like the jump move get someone off herbs, which I thought, oh, that's convenient. Uh, and then lastly, with all these crazy tall lists, I was thinking like just surviving is how you beat them because if they like their whole thing is they're gonna kill someone, and mostly you can never stop it, you know. And lately, everybody knows about sacrifice, but uh, I'm thinking, like, what about exceptional healing? Because we're finally getting enough healing factor characters where I think that card is actually playable. And you have Nova with healing factor, Honey Badger, and X23. Uh, I think that's enough healing factor to actually be relevant. Uh, so I sometimes play randomly... exceptional healing just yeah. for her. Like, I, I had Adepticon, yeah. I dropped exceptional healing because I didn't think, with me not running Lizard, I didn't think there was enough to justify it. 
And then I still found enough situations where I wanted to have exceptional healing that I put it back in just for her. And even though she's the only exceptional healing in my roster at the moment, I still occasionally will play it to protect her. And it's, I've been happy about it because there's been points in the game like, oh, the only way you win is if you can one shot X-23 twice because I have exceptional healing and you have to make two of my characters drop extracts before I run away with them and um, stuff like that. But back to your point on Cassandra, I I like her in X-Men. The only reason she doesn't get a higher priority for me is because of the three that, you know, she's two physical, three energy. Um, But overall, I like her kit. She's a character that I would certainly consider like if they ever expanded the roster slots, I could see fitting her in and maybe my 12th or 13th slot. Like I think she brings some really interesting tech, but I, I just don't see her as a character that I would play enough. And some of the situations you described, I already feel like I can do fine there. And for example, yeah, I would play R and D and all that. Doctor stuff. Strange can do a lot. If I want a, an attacker that can push things, like move people around, I like Doctor Strange a little more because he can move jugs just casually, just like oh, enjoy that three energy defense, like move away from me. Yeah, Nova's less of a jugs counter, um, but I think with jugs, maybe you're just fine with Corvus or Rogue anyway. Yeah, um, it's it, it's yeah, it's just there's a lot of good options there, and she's just, she just doesn't quite break into like the priority five slot because I feel like she's then competing with Corvus or Doctor Strange or Juggernaut. Yeah, but the la- the difficulty to kill her is has a lot of value, especially when you get into these like nineteen threat three character teams, you know, where you could play uh, exceptional healing sacrifice. Um, I've been playing with some other stuff. Yeah. Like, I've definitely considered actually, her as a brotherhood counter. Like have another, like have as many characters as possible that can be immune to throws. Yeah, she also holds cubes really well because she heals for the one and wants that power. Uh, she also has the seven health buffer, so it's not like, oh sure, I have healing factor, but I'm at like three health. But it's know? not better than Jugs at that role. <laughs> True, he can negate it, but yeah. then he doesn't get the power, so he's getting he's poisoned basically. Is no, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it depends. On, like, usually, I if I pick him up, he has power. an extra one anyway, right? If he goes and grabs a cube, he probably moved to get there. Um, you know, because you can end up in situations you just like bounce, you know, do the bump, walk once, grab it, walk back, and so he still has two extra power, and then mm-hmm. he can negate the cube damage and still like keep that cycle going. Yeah, I mean, but you're like super embracing passive passivity. If that's a word, I don't even know what that. But uh, I guess I don't know. yeah, I'm yeah. I, I follow the the pacifist uh, way of the Delucas clan. I, I think well, the maybe... word you're looking for is pacifism. Sure. Uh, yeah, I was just making up a word there. Honestly, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> but that's. In, I mean, so I guess then I have to ask you: How do you plan on beating Syndicate with X Men? Because they've always been rich nemesis. Well, so I will say when I think about my second affiliation or like what else I'm splashing in, Criminal Syndicate does come to mind a lot. Um, but if I see if I win priority, I'm not worried. I'm going to I feel very comfortable beating Syndicate on my secures. Now, if I lose priority, it's going to depend a little bit on the exact one. Um, I can occasionally just beat uh, Syndicate when they do the Terrigen Mists or Mayor Fisk um, because of their lack of speed on so many characters. Um, I can often outposition. I will overwhelm one side and be able to keep the score on that and eventually like totally dominate that side. Um, and so I'll, I will sometimes play that strategy, but I don't think that's the best crisis for them. 
Um, yeah, I think if I was talking with coffee about this and I think if you have to play X-Men into scoundrels, spider infected, um, you're probably going to lose against criminal syndicate. Um, and that's why like in this most recent event, uh, I, I had the Wakanda splash. And so if I had to play against criminal syndicate on scoundrels, I was going to see how much, how often I could just push all of their characters off the points and go that way. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's still it's still a challenging game. If you lose pri- if you lose priority to them, you're gonna have to outplay them. So it sounds like your plan is like a different affiliation because I assume even Black Order would be like your go to on Scoundrels if you had to. Yeah, if I got trapped infected. into. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I got trapped into playing um, against um, Criminal Syndicate, I might heavily consider that. Um, but I do think that Gambit helps in the Criminal Syndicate matchup because he can push Kingpin off. He can push Lizard off. Um, he he does surprisingly good work. But, uh, yeah, it's just that's one of those matchups you want to win priority. And when you don't, um, it's it's going to be an interesting game and you want to make sure there's a plan built in there somewhere. Yeah, I wish I had some magic answer for it either. I, especially if people are playing a similar syndicate that I was playing with, like Corvus Proxima, it adds like a whole other element to them that's just, it's like a rock and a hard place sort of situation. And if more syndicate you know, players played Black Panther, I would be even more worried. And thank God that nobody has caught on well, to that. Yeah, and that brings it up. I got to acknowledge, like, I don't know if you had full influence on it, but I at one point just decided I don't need voodoo <laughs> like <laughs> i'm just gonna play panther and dude panther destroyed for me and was the last season uh, it, i mean panther definitely won me some games probably at least uh, like half the games of my you know six wins uh was like on the back of panther just being crazy um well the plus side is, is if everybody runs pay to flips then syndicate's gonna lose like half their games and so <laughs> may yeah, not have to see I, them on top tables I mean, I was playing Mutant Madman, and it's just like Panther's pretty damn good at Mutant Madman. Yeah. He just was like soloing a whole side himself. It's ridiculous. That's, that's what he does. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely on the Panther plan, and I, when I made X Men like a while ago, uh, I definitely was like throwing Voodoo in there and assuming that was the best thing. And Voodoo plus X Men's jump, it's hard not to like do something awesome. So he was performing. But looking back on it now, that was probably wrong, I think. And especially, like, we were discussing pay to flips. Like, Voodoo's just not, like, even that great on those. Uh, yeah, honestly, you know, if I had to change... If I were going to play, like, the roster that I played most recently and I had a chance to make adjustments before playing in another big tournament and I had Voodoo in there, I would actually switch Voodoo for Black Cat. Um, I found so. that the problem was that even if I faced off against like alien ship on one of my pay to flips, I still didn't really want voodoo. Like I still felt like he was a little bit too much of a liability and what he did to my math. I didn't like, whereas it's a lot easier for me to splash, um, uh, black cat and she's a long mover and she's got the three energy defense and she fits into my pacifism plan a little bit better where like, if she's sitting on a point with someone, I don't have to kill them. I can just stagger them. And then they're not going to want like, unless then I only have to worry about a one shot. Um, it's just stuff like that. And she would give me a way to like steal, still steal something off of like a Hulk or something. And so I don't have to worry about trying to kill Hulk if he happens to get the alien ship. So I think yeah. Miles is also a reasonable discussion for that slot, but I think maybe Black Cat's a little bit better. And I think that's what I will try next. 
Hmm. But that's still like, and I see you considering Cat, and maybe Cat is why you think like, how do you play Syndicate with X Men? They're not really any like connecting pieces, you know. What do you mean? Um, like playing them in the same roster. Oh, like I actually Syndicate built a roster and... today. It's in the in my Discord. I like my last slot is Kingpin, and I was like, you know what? I could totally play like say if someone. So say like someone is like, we're going to play scoundrels. And I'm like, great. Well, all my threat levels are 17, which means we're going to play 17. And I'm going to play Kingpin, Black Cat, Bullseye as my two. And then I can either do Juggernaut and like one of my threes, like Beast or toe. something. Or I can do like um, Rogue and Black Panther. And like going second on scoundrels with a criminal syndicate team that has Panther like... I think I could probably play my way out of that situation. But you, you cut Toad for Bullseye to make Yeah, that the, the Toad is a flexible slot. It can be any interactable two for the most part. Um, depending on the exact build, I'll rotate that between Okoye or if the other affiliation benefited from Bullseye, I think he, he, he still works out in that slot reasonably well. Yeah, Toad is like extra feisty. With, yeah, Toad is my first choice, 100%. I just flips. If I wanted to like have the syndicate to go, oh, well, if you're going to force me to play on secures I don't like, well, then you get to play against syndicate. So enjoy your decision. Um, mm. If I were going to do that, like that three core, but um, you don't have to do that. I was, I'm just still saying I would, I would splash Black Cat over Voodoo right now in the, the Wakanda slash X-Men build. Interesting. So, and then you just play syndicate mirrors and hopefully have the better... Well, if, in that setup, if I played against Syndicate, <laughs> I would be playing uh, Wakanda. Like, if I had to play against Syndicate on Scoundrels or something, I would play a Wakanda wait, build. Wait, wait, wait. You'd play Wakanda, X-Men, and? No. It's always one or the other. Yeah, you gotta pick. I, I'm just saying, I'm trying to still, I'm still processing your Syndicate-X-Men combo here. But then, it does sound saying... like you are gonna play X-Men into Syndicate, though, right? I would so play X-Men into you're... Syndicate with priority. A lot of the time, I think I would probably lean on my other build or I would have specific tech pieces to try to help me out in the syndicate matchup that regularly push people off points. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming things go don't go to plan and syndicate's happy with what they got, right? Because, I mean, talking about you winning prio and getting a pay to flip, like, sure, right? Uh, it, we can all hope and dream that that always happens. But it doesn't. But you want to play for the worst, right? <laughs> um. You know, I so when I'm roster building, I got to plan for the worst, not the best case yeah. scenario. But I mean, like, say, um, now this was a uh, three box event, um, but I still brought the core X Men plan, and then I splashed uh, Miles and Gwen as my third box to have spider portals, and I had to play against Criminal Syndicate in the last round, and that was that that last game was against Kingpin, um, Kingpin, oh no, Kingpin, Hood, Lizard crossbones and iron man um and so not quite your perfect team which i didn't want to i i specifically chose um 16 in that situation because it was mayor fisk i specifically chose 16 because i didn't want to let him upgrade uh iron man to voodoo because then i'd really fucking lose Um, yeah but i was able to come out on top of that game by overloading one side and then i just had gwen kind of play like distractor to like kind of hold that other side and force him to keep two people kind of invested over there and then i was able to keep winning one side and um 
and take it down. And like, I managed to come out ahead. It was a, it was a crazy close game, but you, you have some options there. It's just, those games are stressful as all hell. Yeah. And it's just, even when you beat syndicate, it's going to be a, a grind. Yeah. Uh, I, you keep, you mentioned you like med pack. I got to ask you why not field dressing? Well, because so as we talk about a lot, it's about consistency from one game to the next. Like I find with field dressing, there are some games where I just don't have a good time to play it. I'm playing very spread out. I'm playing a very power minor game as much as possible. And so sometimes you just don't have the power when you'd want to use it. But I find med pack is super consistent. And the way that I play, there's always a time that someone takes an attack and lives through it and then i will the next activation with them i will get the med packed and then that keeps them going for another round and i just find that med pack is a very consistent card for me and um i always find a good time to use it i'm always happy with it when i try field dressing i have some games where it's great and other games where it, it didn't impact things very much and i just i prefer the the consistency over the big swing but i don't I don't really judge someone for going the other direction. I think it's still a very valid choice because it, it, if you have that in the right situation, maybe that swings you out of a game that you would lose. Um, and where maybe med pack is sometimes helping me in a game that I'm going to win anyway. Like you could look at it both ways. Um, mm. I think they're both valid choices. Um, and I think it probably at this point, I think there's people that have just been practicing with field dressing constantly and they love it. But I think there's people that are practicing with med pack and love it. And I think at this point, it's probably more than a habit than necessarily being a right choice either direction. Yeah. I mean, when I played syndicate, I used med pack and I think it was the right choice, but I get the vibe that you play, you play X-Men a lot. Like I would play syndicate, which, you know, run away, don't give them power keep vp leads that kind of thing you know well i'm also i'm almost always playing it on someone who's holding an extract and so that's the thing field dressing doesn't stop an extract from going away and that's one of the big things that when someone starts putting attacks into whoever's holding an extract i want to heal that character and keep the extract as long as possible whereas field dressing gives you the character back and gives you the activation but maybe that activation doesn't actually get you the the extract back is kind of part of my logic all right, fair enough. I mean, uh, yeah, I just think also that tallless um, fear field dressing and sort of like the wider or maybe sort of even five v five whatever are going to be more f- annoyed by med pack, right? Yeah. Like and and I, I'm personally maybe maybe wrongly worried about the tallest maybe more than I need to be, but like Domino is five health, X twenty three is five health, Storm five health you know like i am not confident in those characters uh staying alive uh go with honey badger as well with five health. well you do often have cover and so it it helps and i think um you think you often have cover (laughs) i get cover a lot like it's something you've got to pay attention to and keep in mind but you'd be surprised how often people are making range three attacks from just outside of range three and i'll even find in games where i'm like i left a character in a position and I'm like, I could have backed them up to like maximum range one and then didn't, and then end up being just within range two for an attack. I'm like, man, I would totally have cover if I just played that a little bit better. And I keep finding those situations where mm. I can play better and get cover more often. Um, but I will say sacrifice. I play that card all the time. That is, yeah. I, that will not leave my roster and it makes my five a lot. Yeah. Mike and I fell in love with that card a while back. Um, 
good times with sacrifice. Yeah, it's it's um, a I, it's a card I cannot believe how long I slept on it. But uh, you know, part of me for some of those tall teams, like it's part of why I'm considering going back to Okoye as the primary two. Um, I'll I'll let this spoil this thought on your episode and not on one of mine. I actually mm-hmm. think one of the main reasons why the tall teams are so successful now is because of the Okoye nerf. And I don't think anyone said it yet, but she used to be in every team. And when you have that, like that key activation, right. With that big character. And then one of those attacks goes into Okoye and now they don't daze anyone. That's awful. But Okoye is drifted out of the meta. And so now there's almost no bodyguards. And like, you know, there's some, right. But it's not every team. And so that's made the tall teams even more successful. And so I'm like, maybe, maybe I just need to go back to Okoye. That's actually an interesting take. Yeah, every team had a bodyguard, and like arguably, like, it's like the cheapest bodyguard in the game. So, yeah. and she's reasonably yeah. tanky, so she like has a reasonable chance to live through the attack and bodyguard again. Like, it's yeah. not weird for her to bodyguard four attacks over the course of a game, and that's a huge deal to those those tall teams. I mean, I mean, obviously, everything else affected too, right? Like, there's so many things that impact this, but I think that might actually be the largest impact of their success, and I don't think that's clicked yet. Um, and so that's been something I was saving to, uh, um, yeah. to bring up. And so I'll, I'll do that as my danger room tech. You're welcome. Everyone. Koye <sighs> still probably worth considering. Yeah. I, I'm Koye with X-Men is also hysterical. I've had some crazy games where my Koye has taken like 12 blocks or something, you know, like just cover every roll and re-rolls and it gets kind of crazy. Um, I just I think it's an interesting take, and I think it's like probably was a passive effect of the fact that if we're all going to play Akoya anyway. It wasn't even like we were like consciously trying to like block tall teams, you know. Um, and just the fact that she was overpowered because it's just threat dis- redistribution, uh, you know. I mean, it's she's the literally cheapest character in the game. Blocking anything else is going to be a profit for you, right? Yeah, and she's um, still reasonably so. durable. She still fits in all the other plan, right? She's still three physical, three energy. Um, you know, she's got a defensive reroll. You know, she's got martial art. There's still a lot of things to like about her. So even if she doesn't bodyguard attack, she's still a durable two that stays alive, which is the primary thing that I want. I just, I have kind of preferred Toad because of his, there's just been times where he can interact and flip something that Okoye couldn't have gotten to. Um, and the, sometimes that five yeah. health is like as you know, similar level of effectiveness of her bonus defensive tech. And so, um, and he's, you know, he's mutant. He fits the theme, but, uh, there's maybe... a million reasons to like Toad. Yeah. Like he's, he's naturally, uh, allowing cover to happen, but, which is a great reason, but also, I, uh, I don't, Mike will agree with me here. Like the game has moved away a lot from like an Angela type character so that, Really, him going and grabbing middle, quote-unquote, because he does the range two distance, is mostly safe in the game lately. He's also yeah. been randomly cool where if someone tries to sinister traps, like, the back hammer or something, then you're like, okay, Toad is just going to grab it without moving so he doesn't have to trigger it. And so it, it does... There, There's some cool tricks with Toad that, um, mm. that, uh, that you know, I, I like him. He's still my first choice, but I've just been in my head. I'm like, maybe I should be considering a Koye more often. And based on that ruling, if Toad picks up a trapped extract, he is now carrying around a bomb. Yeah, which is no hilarious. Right <laughs> yeah. 
So when he drops it, though, it doesn't go off. Someone would then have to move to it, yes. and then it would go off. Yeah, but the trap is still on it, so... <laughs> yeah, you have to, like, mark that token, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right, so with that, we have been the Danger Room, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our thoughts on the game. As the game changes, the information in this episode may become less relevant, so bear that in mind if you're listening from the future. We also want to thank Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games. If you don't have a local game store and they can't get what you're looking for, check out those guys. They'll sort you out. Finally, a big thank you to Atomic Mass Games for making such an awesome game. We'll see you next time in The Danger Room. Simulation complete.